Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my loving Valentine's, pre-Valentine Day daughter and co-host, Lauren Simone, and welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, happy Valentine's Day. I mean, we, we're re releasing this wonderful podcast on V-Day. Woohoo! Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. You know where Valentine's Day comes from by any chance? I looked it up today. Saint Valentine? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't uh, know any anything further than that. Well, the uh, Roman Emperor Claudius uh, was preached to by Saint Valentine and did not like it. And he, he sentenced uh, Saint Valentine to be executed. And while he was in jail, the myth goes that he he cured the jailer's daughter of blindness. And just prior to being executed, he sent the daughter a note saying, signed, your Valentine. <laughs> and that was, that was way back when. And, and, it's and then of, he was executed? Yeah. And then that was oh it. Oh, my gosh. Hey, there you go. You know. I don't know if I want to celebrate that holiday anymore. <laughs> it's a real heartache, isn't it? So where does the character of Cupid come from? Oh, well, that's another story. Oh. That, that's, we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> you know, in the first Valentine's Day card, is it Valentine's Day card came out in the United States by Hallmark? It was 1913. 30. Oh, 1913. Mm. And from that point on, it's like exploded. 1913. I'm surprised that they were yeah. celebrating hallmark holidays back do you then. have any problem with that that you know it's become so commercialized that people let me tell you my pet peeve then you tell me if you share this or you have a different take because knowing you you're so much more holistic than i am <laughs> but to run out and get a, a a hallmark hallmark card that somebody put this cutesy kind of loving kind of you know blurb into isn't that kind of a cop-out where, you know, you're getting somebody else's words and you give it to the person you love and you say, yep, here's the card that says exactly what I would say if I could say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard time with that. I think every time I buy a card, I always write my own personalized note in it, even yeah, if it already has a saying. You yes, you do. So basically, I think most people will say they, they try to find the right phaseology that, that suits them. So I guess some people put sure. some effort into it. That's right. I'd say so. How much the cards cost today? I know. They're really getting up there. Oh, my God. Like $9 a card, right? I, I don't know. A real I, Hallmark I, I, didn't, I refused to um, buy a card this year. Uh-oh. No, I, I did. I made one. I went online. Oh, you made one? Well, I went online and got one of these free cards, and it had the suitable stuff on it. And then I was able to put my own inscription in it and even wow. include a, a photograph. Uh, I'm so. impressed. And you did this obviously ahead of time since we're recording pre-Valentine's Day. You're very romantic, aren't you? 
Yes, I am. I'm very romantic. <laughs> I was just talking to my husband this morning about how he hates, well, he was joking about how I always love flowers on Valentine's Day. And I was reminding him of the one year where he um <laughs> he came home from the city and he was like, I promise your Valentine's flowers are coming tomorrow because the bodegas were charging three times as much today. So I'll get you double tomorrow. <laughs> and then he wound up going out to get them that night because I was like, you can't wait till the day after Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, yeah, some people don't really understand like the uh, appeal of celebrating a Hallmark holiday. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I should disclose this but it's 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 a horrible story i think what? You, do you want to hear a horrible story about flowers about flowers yeah i can handle that all right i once dealt with a person who was in the funeral business and he said and i don't know if it's true that after a funeral they sell all the flowers at a nominal cost to these dealers on the streets in New York and whatnot. And those flowers that the 24,000 dozen roses you get for a dollar are really kind of re, re, reprocessed flowers from the funeral parlor. I feel like I've heard that same thing. Maybe Probably from me. Oh, maybe I heard it from you. <laughs> I mean, that kind of takes all of the love and bloom out of the roses, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but you know the the word love, uh, you know it's 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 a very vague word. I mean we we can love our mommies, and we can love pizza, right? I mean we could we could love sports. You can also love the opera. You can love tacos. Mm. But do you find the word love very abstract and very kind of confusing at times? I don't know that I find it confusing, but. I would say it is abstract, yeah. We use it in so many different ways. True. Well, did you know well, that? Go ahead, please. I was just going to say the English language only has one word for it, but in other I, languages, they actually have multiple. I am. I can't tell you. You see me throwing my arms up here? <laughs> yeah. Even That's my hurt, even my hurt arm. You, you have just introduced exactly <laughs> where I, you must have read my mind. Because yeah. in other languages... Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go right now to the Greeks. Ah. And the Greeks had seven different types of love. <laughs> right? One was what we might call eros, which is the, the physical kind of love, you know, the, where we get attracted to someone, kind of a lust, you know, that infatuated energy that we want. So that's eros. Then there's philia which is a platonic love. This is, the Greeks tried to, you know, say, well, what are all these manifestations of love? So there's Eros, Philia, which is a platonic love. You know, this is when you love a person, but not for sex. And, you know, it's it's just because you respect them for who and what they are. Then there's Ludus, which is a flirtatious love. And then there's Pragma, which is a love of commitment, which develops over a long period of time with someone. Then we comes to agape, which is the love when you are selfless and love your fellow person. And then we come to one that's very interesting because we talked about this in a previous podcast, philatia, which is, you want to take a guess at that one? <laughs> it's the <laughs> selfish love. Oh. And do you remember the podcast we did? We said there's, there's two kinds of selfishness. There's the kind where you nurture yourself and take care of yourself. 
And then there's the other kind where it's just kind of narcissistic. Yes. Well, that's philatia. And then the last one is storge, which is parental love. I think it's kind of kind of cool that in other languages we can try to define the vagueness of love. Because here, you're right, in the English language, it's just, oh, yeah, I love that movie, or I love that pizza. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I know in Spanish also, I, I can't remember the terms off the top of my head, but there's there are two different ways to say that the way that you're in love. Like one is more of a friendly love, and the other is is like a... Hey, like the more of the lustful love, I guess, or or a true love, which they say that term is used less often. Oh, I'd better be careful because I really messed up my Spanish when I was in school. I'd probably use the wrong expression and get slapped, right? Yeah, that's why I'm I'm not even gonna try to say what I think they are. Because <laughs> I inherited my linguistic skills from you, I guess. I think I'm I think I told you about my uh, a friend who had come over from Italy and didn't speak English very well. And, and I love the way he would express himself. If he liked a table, he wouldn't say, I, I, uh, love, yeah. I love this table. He'd say, I love myself, this table. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love myself, this podcast. He loved a lot of things too. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting how, you know, when you look at something from a different language, when he was saying, I love myself, he was saying me, I love this, but he was saying, I love myself, this table. So it's just another yeah. way of saying the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, Dad, how do you feel about celebrating St. Valentine's execution day? <laughs> well, you, you said it. I didn't, you know, now that, now that, you know, it kind of puts a pale on things. It really but, does. But, no, but St. But Valentine represented, you know, and, and the cults, you know, there was a, um, Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember. There was a cult that was associated with Valentine's Day, which was a kind of a Bacchanalian festival where they would bring young men and women together and they would kind of pick out, you know, kind of like swingers. They would pick out names from a, from a jar and they oh. would go off and, and do their thing. And, and that, was, that took place right around the 14th of February. Some people feel that was co-opted into Valentine's Day. And I think the Cupid thing that you asked before came back in the Middle Ages. But it's interesting how Valentine's Day persisted over all this time. And, and, I, and it became very much embraced uh, as, as a holiday and, and, you know, one of lovers. So I, you know, I, we, I just don't know. I just, all I know is that flowers that come from a funeral parlor. <laughs> <laughs> on the day of St. Valentine's execution. I don't know. This is all getting very twisted in my mind. It does, it does bother but me. I do have something a little bit lighter to share with you that Thank I just found. Goodness gracious, yes. <laughs> so Cupid is the child of the goddess of love, Venus, hmm. in Greek mythology. He is known as Eros, which I think you said was one yes. of the ways Eros to say love, right? physical love. In fact, yeah. yeah. Depending on the source, he was Passion. thought to be... A god who came into the world to represent love. You're you're doing your millennial thing now, right? You're you're actually looking it up right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm I'm done looking it up, but yes. No, that's okay. No, we you brought that right. You know, it's like it's like the immediacy of that. That now we know what Cupid is. Well, I was looking for something to kind of save the, the so, Valentine's right. Day excitement since. We're... So since you don't know the myth of the of the uh, Cupid. Let's hear your take on what the arrows are that Cupid has in 
his is I guess it's a his I don't know in, in his or her little quiver it said that he or she was asexual oh it's another bummer but <laughs> but what um, was what were the, what were the arrows what do you what do you imagine arrows? well I think that when he shot the arrow whoever it hit would fall in love uh, right would have yeah. some sort of they become love fog they become smitten with love the arrow pierces the heart that's why we see those little holiday cards with the, the arrow going through the heart. Yeah. That's Cupid's arrow piercing the heart. And once that happens, you are smitten. Yep. Smitten. What a nice word. Well, I still, you still didn't answer my question. Do yes, you please. like the holiday of Valentine's Day? Did, or you, do you, did, you, did you ask me that? Yeah. I mean, I asked it to you in, in a darker way when I said, do you enjoy <laughs> celebrating St. Valentine's Day execution? Um, but no, the actual holiday, like, do you, do you think it's a good tradition or do you feel like it's kind of a silly I, made up? Well, you know, I think it's a good tradition. Uh, I think because I, I truly believe it, it goes against complacency and it, it brings to the fore uh, those that we're with, those that we love, those that we are committed to, I think it brings to the fore the fact that, uh, you know, we have to awaken and express what little Cupid shot us with and, and reaffirm that. So, I, yeah, I think it, I think it, it, for a lot of people that become too complacent, it's, it's kind of that little wake up call where you have to actually go out and profess your love. Yeah. Before I, ha before I was married or dating we used to celebrate galentine's day is that when you drank a gallon of wine no gal like your gal pals where you go oh. out with the girls <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i think that uh you know certainly there is that committed love that is not necessarily sexual so you know love goes at all the different manifestations of love that's what we're talking about that's right and i, I have a trivia question for you please please by all means Okay, imagine you're an elementary school teacher. Yep. Okay, and then think of what day of the year do you think <laughs> elementary school students are the most hyped up for? I would say Christmas. Right, that's like the common guess, but the truth is- Arbor Day. The underrated holiday is Valentine's Day. No and I feel like every year, Teachers are unprepared for the amount of energy that gets well, elicited in kids. Well, let me let me say something. Day. There is this precociousness that I remember being in elementary school, and I remember Valentine's Day was so special because you got to first of all you made these little tiny valentines that you could give to someone of yeah. your choosing, and these little Valentine candies with the hearts, and. And I remember even at a young age, you know, you had these little silly infatuations. You gave Mary Sue this little little Valentine and she would slap you and the mother would call <laughs> you at night and tell you to leave my daughter alone. But but I remember, you know, that was a giggly kind of uh, experience. So even, yeah, I, I could dig it because, you know, this whole thing of love is a biological imprint and it, our survival as a species absolutely depends on it. And it's it's really not just an emotion, it's a biological process, which is very profound. And it's, it's something that, you know, I think we all experience and it as it matures, of course, we get into more of an adult expression of that. But it has to do with, uh, you know, when, when we when we first uh, get into these primitive parts of our brain, you know, that's where the chemical aspect of it, the oxytocin, the dopamine, 
Um, and what's the other chemical? Is is dopamine, oxytocin? Well, the opioids, the endogenous opioids. These are all the love kind of chemicals that make us feel really, you know, whoa, and and they drive that passion. So before the cerebral cortex was even formed in our evolutionary past, this very primitive part of our nervous centers in our brain was, was already forming these kind of connections to wanting to procreate, wanting to get together. So it's, it's very much a biological process. It's not just an emotion. And that's important because it's so powerful. And, yeah. and here's something I, I throw at you. When, when someone is infatuated and all these chemicals are, are, are stimulating your vagus, vagus nerve and you're flooded with this stuff, people that are really infatuated can do really stupid things. <laughs> it overrides your, your, your rational mind. And mm. you, you, know, you wind up doing things that sometimes you really regret. Do, do, do you kind of buy into that, that people really become somewhat silly, rational, crazy when they fall in love? Yeah, to, I feel like there's some sort of desperation that happens where you feel like if you can't have this object of your attention, that you're not complete. Yeah, and the world will end, right? Yeah, yeah. that nothing else matters, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so true though that, that how you know we the passion, the eros part, you know the the love, the passion, the lust. That's that's the beginning. That's usually, and I guess it's there for one very important reason. If we didn't have this very strong compulsion to reach out to someone else, you know, we'd get complacent. You know, we'd go off and you know till till the garden, or just go off and take a walk. But we we'd we'd pick up little Mary Sue at a later point. But maybe maybe not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, and it also I think you need that lust in the beginning to kind of break you out of complacency like to make make something worth your effort mm -hmm. uh, to commit to something because mm -hmm. actual actual love you know is is not the same thing you have to kind of be prepared for the compromise and all of the things that go along with real love that come after the mm -hmm. lust part but if it started off just as like compromise and what else sacrifice not not that not that there aren't other good things about real love but i'm just saying if you started off a relationship um in the it'd be in a the, real drag yeah but but you would <laughs> i think you would agree I'm, I'm a pretty good storge kind of person right i bet you weren't listening to number seven on my greek list of different oh words. i was gonna say i'm like i don't know that word <laughs> yeah. um yeah. parental love Parental love. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Yes. And you you are the the recipient of my my storge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Lucky to be yeah, yeah. What do you think? I mean, neurochemicals, you know, opioids, dopamine, oxytocin. Wow. We don't have a chance when we get into those passions. How many movies have you seen in the last year? that have to do with this lustful, passionate kind of experience where, you know, people are swept. People love to love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I think some people feel like there's something wrong when their relationship doesn't mimic that. That's right. Yeah. You know? Or uh, go finish that sentence. I cut you off when their relationship doesn't mimic that. No, that was, that was all I wanted to say. Yeah. And I was thinking in a, 
long-term committed relationship, and I've seen this often in marital therapy, they feel there's something wrong that they're not feeling the bells and whistles that they felt yeah. during the infatuated period, and they resent it. I, I've had husbands and wives sit down and, and point a finger and actually resent. Well, you were like this when we first went out, and now, you know. So it's it's you can't make that comparison, can you? Between the infatuated beginning, where all of that stuff is just rushing through that vagus nerve, causing all of that intensity, and then, you know, thirty years into a marriage. You know, you're sitting down and you're, you know, you're watching Jeopardy together and you kind of look at each other and say, hmm, is that all there is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, yeah. A new, you're kind of a newlywed. You're still in that transitional state between infatuated bliss and uh, the, the relinquishing of store gay love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think there's a good balance now, but, um, but I like the. I like the comfort that comes with real love. Like, yep. Yeah. Just want to interrupt. That's pragma. That's the real love, the commitment. That's what you yeah. say. That's what you like. Pragma. Or mm -hmm. prag pragmatist. I guess prag that's where it comes pragmatist. from. Pragma yeah. love. Yeah. yeah, I just like being being free. I always felt this way, even with my friends. Like I always enjoyed getting to a point in a relationship where I could be completely myself and not worry about being judged or having to worry if the other person understands where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. um, once you get to that point, there's no mental resistance. It's just like a state of flow. And I think that's hard in the beginning. Like, of course you're feeling like all the excitement, but there's also a lot of nervousness and anxiety in that phase of um, lust. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I appreciate the other side of that. Yeah, that you're right. There's there's pain it's painful right when you first and you have all of that intensity and you 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 feel like you need this or your world is going to end it's painful yeah there's a lot of fear i think and separation is painful when you can't see the love person of your of your dreams it's it's painful right mm -hmm. i want i want to just go over uh, in my book reconnecting i list 10 different uh, things that are important for love and for any any good relationship. I'll go through them quickly, just get your responses. Trust, how important is trust and risking trust in their relationship? I think it's the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think trust, trust is kind of believing, isn't it? How would you describe trusting your partner? What does that entail? I think it entails like truly knowing that the other person has your best interest at heart. Mm. So mm. I think it leaves room for people to make mistakes, but you always know their intention yeah. is to protect you and to care for you. So it's a, it's a risk because you might be wrong, but you're willing to risk trusting the other person. What about uh, responsibility? You know, teamwork. Do you mm. take responsibility? Are you part of the team? Yeah, and I and probably embedded in that is the need to be honest with yourself and like be re be self reflective instead of defensive to take responsibility for your actions. Like if you did something that hurt your partner or mm -hmm. if you weren't helpful in whatever way for from their perspective, like to be able to hear that and reflect on it mm -hmm. instead of being defensive. Mm -hmm. What about the vision of labor? Taking you know what's fair, you know doing your fair share. Yeah. 
that's struggling with that because I have not been taking much responsibility lately. <laughs> oh, that's not true. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> How about personal awareness? How important do you think it is to be personally aware of who, who and what you are in a relationship? It is very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, take the converse. Someone who is unconscious of themselves, you know, they 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 really are in a vacuum. They really have no idea how they're truly impacting their partner. Mm. So they're kind of in this bubble of unconsciousness, which can be really disruptive in the relationship. Yeah, definitely. How about partner awareness? How important is that, that you are aware of your partner's, what your partner is all about? I think that's incredibly important. I remember reading something in a book once where they talk about a bubble, like um, having a relationship bubble. So once you're committed to someone like you and and he or her is in that bubble and um your mm -hmm. job is to kind of make sure that you're both protected because if you default like the bubble could pop really yeah. easily yeah and i think being aware of your partner within that bubble is is also you know not being surprised you you need to know you know the ins and outs quirks and whatnot of your partner's personality and I think the more you're in tune with your actual partner rather than the mythical partner, which is maybe you might want your partner to be something they're not. And therefore mm. you get disappointed and angry and resentful. So partner awareness is important. But what about next? We go to maturity. How important is maturity for each partner? Well, how would you define maturity, like emotional maturity? I guess yeah, yeah. Most, well, we don't want children getting married. No, but uh, <laughs> Emotional maturity is, I guess, the I, I call it simply the ability to handle life, to really be able to handle life in all of its manifestations. That's mm. to me a mature adult. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of important, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're not a mature adult, then a lot of the other things that you listed can't happen. Now, I know like, not, not your relationship, but do you, you know of relationships where one partner is like a child in the relationship and and if so, what kind of dynamic does that produce? Maybe if a part if one partner is selfish and doesn't consider the other's needs, like that, there's an immaturity to that, mm -hmm. um, and it can create friction. Yeah, the selfishness. Yeah, I think I think you know that's I think that's really important because if you're married or related or committed to an immature person, it's hard it's hard to make the decisions that are important, the commitments, the fairness. Another yeah. one is commitment. Commitment's important, you know, loyalty, right? Yes. How about friendship and companionship? Is it important to be friends with the person you love? I think so. I, I think that's like the whole, kind of what we were talking about before. Like after the lust storm that begins a relationship, you enter this new phase. And I feel like in that phase, there's this like deep vulnerability, but also like a really close friendship that evolves yeah i mean i think it's important to have friendship rather than an enemyship between two people well, so yes. <laughs> obviously let's be friends what about sense of humor do you think that's important i do i don't know if it's important for everybody but i definitely uh, think it's I, I think it's really important i don't know why but i think I think, you know, you can get really serious and dour. I think most relationships thrive when there's a little levity, a little fun, a little playfulness. No? Yeah, I would say so. It also like grips you out of the routine and the stress of life, lightens things up. Yeah. 
Let me just throw out one more, and then I promise no more of these lists. Um, and that's effort. You know, I think I think you have to. To me, there's no free lunch. I mean, you you have to work at a relationship, and that's where the infatuated fear feeling initially is that this is a free lunch. You don't have to do anything. It's perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, and then, of course, reality sets in. And, and then what happens? Well, then you have conflicts, you have to work towards certain things that are effortful. How important is effort in a, or to put in effort, would you say, in a relationship? I think it's important. And it's also important that it's somewhat equal. Uh-huh. That you're both putting in a similar amount of effort. That's, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Because, um, you know, things become asymmetrical in any relationship, whether it's effort or, you know, who, who does most of the chores, whatever that effort entails, if it's asymmetrical, that's, that's the breeding ground for resentment. So on this Valentine's Day, because we're pretending it's Valentine's Day today. We're uh, one day away. One day away. We're going to uh, make this short and sweet today. So that, it, that in mind, you know what time it is right now? Uh, yeah, it's self coaching <laughs> And little Cupid uh, designed this pep talk today, and it's called Infatuated Love Ain't Love at All. And I was working with a man recently who wanted to leave his wife because of a head over heels office romance. A true story, Laura. And throughout the session, he kept telling me how much he loved this woman. And when I asked how long he knew this person, he replied, Oh, not that long. She was just transferred to our office a month ago. Clearly, what this guy was feeling was infatuation, not love. Infatuation and love are truly apples and oranges. In fact, one of the best examples of this can be found in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Two star-crossed lovers caught up in the ecstasy of infatuated love. Symbolically, Romeo and Juliet had to die. Why? Because true love begins when an infatuation dies. That infatuation is in inevitably going to crash and burn. It doesn't last forever. It can last a long time. But living in the clouds is not where human beings can reside for forever. Mm-hmm. No problem accepting that? Not at all. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to my 20s when I lived in New York City with a bunch of my girlfriends and there were just so many dates that we would experience. And, you know, so many times one of us would come home and say like, oh my gosh, I found this perfect guy. He's so awesome. And, you know, two weeks later, it'd be like, well. <laughs> but you were infatuated. <laughs> so awesome. You were infatuated with the whole New York City life. You know, oh, you, still, that infatuation has not died. Because of friends. You were you were living the, 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 the sitcom Friends, weren't you? Uh, yeah, so so that that infatuated lifestyle of yours, it, it really was replaced with the maturity and true love that you now have. God bless. Yes. And uh, and I think that's that's what we're talking about today, the different manifestations of love. And it is it is socially very important to have companionship and love in your life, not necessarily romantic love, but we are social beings and, and we know that healing takes place. Uh, people, people with broken hearts have a harder time healing than people with love and support in their lives. 
So cultivate the relationships in your life, right? That's a good advice. And uh, don't isolate yourself because isolation is, is not a healthy thing to do. Uh, and maybe you need to go against your own insecurities to accomplish that. So would you be an advocate of encouraging people to go out there and make those connections? Yeah, life is all about connections. So yeah. You're a rather social being, aren't you? I'd say so. And as, yes. we said, as we said, and your kindergarten teacher once told your mother and I, you are Saturday night at the Bijou in class. Just every night, every day was a fun day for you, wasn't it? Oh, yep. Why not? <laughs> well, that's about it. I don't have too much to say other than uh, I wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day. And, and uh, I hope that everyone recognizes the importance of cultivating love and companionship in their lives. And sometimes that requires being creative and stepping out of your comfort zone because the bubble that Lauren described before, these bubbles are out there. And it doesn't have to necessarily be the romantic kind because you know, companionship and love, it's, you know, it's, there's many manifestations and I won't bore you by going over the seven different types of love that the, the Greeks defined, but there are many, many different aspects of love. So that's all, that's all I've got today. Hmm. Is, that, is that okay with you? It's okay with me. I got to go prepare for Valentine's <laughs> Day. Yeah. Hopefully you're not doing just a Hallmark thing, are you? Well, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Oh, but you not really. You do augment your cards with, I know, very elaborate discussions. I do, <laughs> I do, do that, yes. <laughs> well, effort yes. is important, we, and that's one way we can put effort into our Valentine's Day is by going beyond Hallmark and expressing ourselves just how we feel. Exactly. Exactly. And tonight's Super Bowl, so uh, but if, is we've this got supposed a lot to, to celebrate. Sh- this is supposed to be Valentine's Day podcast. People don't know what we said. We're recording before Valentine's Day. Yes, I was trying. You said Happy Pre Valentine's Day on your introduction. But this, we, I, we don't publish this until Valentine's Day. How about that? Okay. No, it's Super Bowl. So, (laughs) so Lauren, uh, so the Bengals won. What did you think about that? (laughs) That's that's my prognostication. We'll see. We'll see if it comes through. Okay. Um, Yeah, I always like to root for the underdog. Me too. Yeah, I guess everybody does. We'll, we'll talk. Hey, that's a good podcast. Underdogs. Why we love underdogs. Mm. Maybe next and week. not everybody loves underdogs. Overdogs, they like? Some people just like to win. So. Some people just like dogs. <laughs> anyway. And some people just like dogs. <laughs> so listen, I know you, you've been kind of a little under the weather lately, and I, I just hope you get some rest and some good nu- nutrition and some sunshine, right? Oh, thanks. And uh, you got anything you want to throw out there before we slam the door shut? No, I think I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> uh, well, feel better. And, uh, and visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out everything. <laughs> I'm getting tired of saying, check out our latest number, but just check out it. Check, just it, all check out. it out. Check it all out. There's no cupids. There's no little hearts. So don't get, don't get <laughs> upset. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join my storge loving daughter. Lauren, and me every week 
And what do you say we make it simple together? What do you say, Lauren? Let's do it. All right. See you next week. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart.